Uh. It's your old soccer buddy. Guess who? Double up. Uh. Uh. James and James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent October 14th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Get your shoes shined up, boy. Boy. Ooh, I'm gonna run you ragged, boy. Gonna make you sweat. Gonna make you earn every drop today, boy. Boy. Fetch my rotten crop, boy. They call me Mr. Tibbs. There was a time in which I could have had you shot. They call me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> if any of y'all who are up on black culture, well, cinema in general, you know. In the heat of the night, they call me Mr. Tibbs. There was a time in which I could have had you shot, boy. Anyways, folks, if you are new to the show, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, I am an all sorts of fucking stupid things, but this is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, cabelliac, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self, y'all the dear listener, y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. <laughs> I'm available on iTunes, Spotify, video versions of the podcast, YouTube, you know, if you want to check out the vodcast. My own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. You can download the show and you can email the show, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. You know, you got questions, you got queries, you got qualms, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com and if you're enjoying the show thus far you know you're getting some entertainment food for thought you know a little chuckle here and there if you're digging the show please help my black ass out for crying out loud you know share me with a friend sharing is caring folks all right spits it up a storm here must be the collared shirt (laughs) you know See a black man in a collared shirt. Apparently he's off for an interview. Some fucking clown comic once told me that once, trying to cut me down. Why are you wearing a dress shirt? Are you off for a job interview? Because I'm about to go kill a motherfucking crowd, dummy. You know? Gotta put on the Ritz every once and again, you know? You can't sell a fucking $10 ad with a fucking $2 presentation. Takes money to earn money. You know? But I get ahead of myself. If you are new to the show, Jonathan Ramcher on the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. 19 years of service, diploma in theater arts. That's been to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. You know, as I said, you can't sell a fucking $10 ad with a fucking $2 presentation. You know, you got to put a little money into the motherfucking mechanism. And in conjunction with that, recently, Netflix. Netflix, the online streaming giant, Netflix. They've recently upped their subscription fees, right? A basic package still runs for $9.99 Canadian. But the standard package has been upped $1.00. From $13.99 to $14.99 Canadian. Then the premium package has been upped $2 from, I believe, $16.99 Canadian up to $18.99 Canadian. Yeah. So depending on your package, um, you could be paying anywhere from an extra dollar a month to $2 a month. You know, top tier premium going for $18.99 a month Canadian. Food for thought, you know? It's a slippery slope because, I mean, inflation, right? Cost of business, 
increases, the price to the uh, consumer goes up, you know? If it takes more money to produce, you know, film, television, then these production houses, these streaming houses, they have to up their fees, right? Netflix does a lot of original content. And what they're saying is they're going to take that money, put it back into um, their production value. You know, they produce their own films, uh, web series, I guess you can call them, streaming series, you know, like episodic. It's not technically television, but I guess you can call it uh, serialized content, streaming content, you know. Ah, fuck it, television. They, They produce their own television shows, TV vision shows, or internet vision shows. Web series, I guess. They produce their own web series. And, um, you know, comedy specials, stand-up comedy, they produce those as well. So that's where that money is going. And I get that on a business level, right? It does cost a consider considerable amount of money, especially during this time when, you know, COVID-19, new measures in, um, you know, the, all the safety measures that go into a production now. You know, a lot of people are getting back to work slowly but surely. And um, these testing measures, you know, COVID-19 tests, social distancing, shorter hours, this can all add an extra cost to a production. So I get that on the business end. Um, It is a slippery slope because it's like, well, as inflation goes up and up and up, like where's the end line? You know what I mean? You see it in sneakers, for example, right? I think $100 is like the top you should ever pay for a pair of running shoes. You know, there is something to be said about durability, comfortability, and style. You know, if you want a durable, comfortable, stylish running shoe, is it really that astronomical to shell out a measly $100 for a pair of like Adidas, you know, Adidas, all day I dream about sex, Adidas, um, you know, Nike, Nike, whatever the hell the kids call it, Converse, you know, Skechers. <coughs> you know, Skechers is about as white as this shirt that I'm wearing. <laughs> nice to meet you, Ted. But, um, you know, Skechers, whatever the kids are wearing these days, you know. Is it really that far-fetched to shell out, you know, a measly hundred bucks for a pair of, you know, comfortable, durable, stylish running shoes? But where do you stop? You know, you got these Yeezys, you got these uh, fucking, you know, Dolce Cabana, fucking, you know. I remember once I, I had a buddy of mine, we were like on a vacation in New York City. It was our first time going to New York and we're checking the place out and, you know, it was pretty fun. We went into like a boutique, like a high-priced boutique, I don't know, uh, you know, they always have different names for, you know, the upper class, you know. It was a boutique. And he bought a pair of these Prada running shoes. They were like these thin, almost like a 1920s track and field style running shoe. They were like, you know, thin as a fucking pancake. You know, no comfortability, no durability, purely aesthetic, you know. He he paid $400. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you paid 400 bucks for a fucking pair of sneakers? Are you out of your fucking mind, boy? I couldn't believe it. And, you know, that's what I mean by this, like, inflation. Well, inflation's more of like a economic reality, but, you know, but yes, inflation, but also the um, sensationalization. The sensationalization, sensationalization of like, you know, style, avant-garde, pop culture. Be somebody with fashion and brand name clothing. We're going to sell you a dream, you know? So it's like sometimes the value gets conflated with, you know, the views of a pop culture. But it's like, where do you stop, 
right? So it's like a sliding scale, a slippery slope. Like when do you put the plug in the jug? When do you put a cork in it? You know, put a cork in it. It's like, where are you going to stop? You know, because it's like, okay, yes, you up the price of an online streaming service. You know, Netflix, they up the prices by like a dollar or two dollars. Are they ever going to stop? Because they had, they had recently upped the price anyway. They upped it by like, didn't they just recently within the last year up it? Like a dollar or 75 cents or something? They, they already recently increased it. So within a year, they increase it again. It'll never stop. And when is enough enough? Like, for example, as I said, a pair of running shoes shouldn't really go beyond 100 bucks, But it just keeps going up and up. Now it's like if you go online and you look at like clothing retailers, most running shoes are in the neighborhood of like, you know, if you got a new running shoe out for the year, they're usually around like 120, 150, 169.99, like they're they're closer to two, they're closer to a buck 50, 200. You know? And it's like, it just, where, where does it stop? You know what I mean? But, you know, as an actor, thespian extraordinaire, I understand there's the business of producing film, web series, you know, entertainment. There is a cost. And it's also very essential. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, during these times of COVID-19, the main deal is like, the health community, medical professionals, essential services like cashiers, um, you know, transportation, bus drivers, um, public transit, stuff like that, cleaning services, janitors, all those people helping maintain cleanliness during this time of pandemic, all those essential services, you know, Yes, those are the forefront, but um, entertainment is very needed. Think about like how, like for example, one of the biggest, uh, I guess what really kick-started this whole pandemic season uh, in terms of like entertainment was the docuseries Tiger King. My name's Joe Exotic, you know? I'm a gun-toting, mullet-having, gays $3 bill redneck from fucking... Wherever the fuck I'm from, you know? And if you're going to come on my property, I'm going to fucking pull out a shotgun and blow your fucking head off, senor. All right? Over my dead body, or you're going to take my tigers, okay? God bless Donald Trump. You know, fucking Tiger King was like the one of the biggest um, shows during this pandemic. And that's that was like, you know, a very... I, I would say I, I saw the I saw the docu series. I enjoyed it. It gave me a lot of value. It was a Netflix production, and it entertained me during this time of pandemic. And there's also been a lot of you know films. I recently just watched Silence of the Lambs on Netflix. You know, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. Put it in the basket. Put it in the fucking basket. You know what I think you are with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rube. All the way to the FBI. Clarice Starling. <laughs> you know, Hannibal Lecter. You know, I recently watched that on Netflix. And it's just like, that's the power of entertainment. Whether it be like a docu-series, a documentary, or a fictional film. You know, it has value and it is needed. You know, I won't go calling it essential, but it is definitely needed in the long run. So, you know, this whole increase in the Netflix um, payment plan really got me thinking that, especially as an actor. You know what I mean? And the essential nature of what it is I do as a performer, you know? 
making content on YouTube, criticizing things and bitching and whining, you know? It's all a part of entertainment. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm not really seeing it as such a big deal. Maybe we're just starved for a news story, you know? And plus, it's such a popular thing. Most people stream through like Netflix or Hulu or Crave, HBO. Most people use a streaming service, Pornhub, <laughs> whatever you fucking degenerates do on your free time. Most people use a streaming service, but it is interesting. It's like, well, a dollar today could be what? $100 tomorrow with inflation and the way things shift and change. So I don't know. Is it a big deal? Isn't it a big deal? Are they really just price gouging us, capitalizing on COVID-19 situation? Or is there merit? It is very interesting. It is very interesting. But overall, Netflix does give great bang for the buck. And again, they didn't up the prices of their... Um, Standard package. Standard package, still $9.99. So there's room for um, really any price, uh, any, any budget. You know, it's still well within reason. So, you know, definitely food for thought. Definitely interesting during these times as an actor myself. So there you have it, folks. Janet the Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. Yes. Quick sip of water. Water break, boss. Don't mind me, boss. <clears throat> Much obliged. I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. 11 plus years of service. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, if you've been on the journey with me here at JR the P, and I thank you very much for it. Um, yo, like, I am a stand-up comedian. Take it or leave it. I do the due diligence. I walk the line. I keep a close watch on my hack-ass fucking act. I keep a close watch on all these shit jokes of mine. Because I'm a fucking hack. I walk the line. I walk the fucking line. You know, from day one. Um, you know, came in the game as a youngin', pocket full of some, yo, cash money. Started doing stand-up comedy, early 20s, right out of theater school. You know, I'm an actor, I'm a stand-up comic. So I came out of theater school, started doing stand-up, you know. And uh, in this time, you know, I've been hitting the stages, you know, I've done countless open mics, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, work is hard and in between, I'm still on my journey, but you know, you could technically call me a professional comedian, I've made money, I've been paid to do stand-up comedy, you know, I've uh, produced my own shows, you know. I am comfortable in my abilities, but very aware, very aware of my, you know, shortcomings, you know, what I need to work on. I'm in a good place, you know. I'm fairly young. I'm fairly experienced. And it's like the future is open. And during this time of COVID-19, it's like, hmm, okay. I'm taking everything I learned um, all my successes, all my failures as a performer, stand-up comedian. And I'm going to invest my time and energy in challenging myself to do some things that I've never quite done and what I see as the most beneficial way forward during this time of pandemic. Yes, you know, I'm bumping, I'm grinding, I'm moving with the times and I'm seeing my way forward. It's a challenge, kind of lonesome, you know, you'd be by, all by your lonesome, you know, 
It's a bit of a lonely road, but hey, yo, that's the road we trot. When you walk the line. You know, it's not exactly even easy to be a hack, you know? Like, think about it. You can't really be a hack comedian without being a comedian, you know? You know, you criticize a hack. Well, you have to get on stage in order to even be a hack. You know what I mean? So it's not exactly easy, you know? And it's uh, not, not that that's really my problem. I'm actually quite competent, you know? you ever seen Jonathan Ramchan in action, you know? Well, you know, I might shit the bed, but I might fucking blow your fucking top off too, you know? Bit of a killer. Not trying to brag, but, you know, call a spade a spade, you know what I mean? I'm a fucking killer. Not to say that I don't fucking drop my weapon and fuck up and bumble and, you know, I'm a bit of like a Oswald, what's his name? Lee Harvey Oswald. I'm a bit of, I'm like a Lee Harvey Oswald type of a stand-up comic killer. You know, as a killer, as a comic, I'm a bit of like a Lee Harvey Oswald type, you know? I might fuck it up, you know? I'm, I'll hit the target, but, you know, I might get busted or caught or drop the gun or, there he is! And they'll, they'll see behind the facade, you know, I'll get busted somehow, get my ass handed to me. But, like, that's the game I'm in. And I'm very excited to take all what I've learned and take a stab. Take a stab at the next step of the journey. And that sounds vague and blah, blah, yibbity, yabba-dabba-dabba-doo. But it's really for me to know and you to find out. I mean, i got to show it to you at some time, right? Granted, all things work out. And, uh, you know, till then, you know, you got me right here in action on JR the P, you know, spitting my game, spitting my truth. And I'm very happy to do so. And um, I humbly await the revelation of comedy. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. bit of a windbag as well that's another thing you know that's what it's annoying about people when they're just like too into what they do like they just assume other people want to hear it too and they just go on and on and on and on and babble maybe i get to the fucking point you know anyway folks let's talk about news what's going on in the world kenosha killer Y'all heard of this motherfucker. Uh, this is an article from globalnews.ca. Um, teen accused of killing two protesters in Kenosha won't face charges in Illinois. Do not pass out. Do not collect $200. Isn't that a fucking space in Monopoly? Illinois place? Isn't that like the red space in Monopoly? Ah, hell, I don't know. Let's get to this. Um, a 17-year-old accused of killing two protesters days after Jacob Blake was shot by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin, will not face charges in his home state of Illinois, prosecutors said Tuesday. An investigation, an investigation revealed the gun used in the Kenosha shooting was purchased in the Kenosha shooting was purchased, stored and used in Wisconsin. An investigation revealed the gun used in the Kenosha shooting was purchased, stored and used in Wisconsin, the Lake County State's Attorney Office said. There is no evidence the gun was ever physically possessed by Kyle Rittenhouse in Illinois, it said. Rittenhouse of Antioch remains held in juvenile detention center in Lake County without bond due to pending criminal charges in Kenosha. Rittenhouse is due back in Lake County Court on October 30th for an extradition hearing. His arrest has become a rally point for some on the right, with legal defense fund that has attracted millions of dollars in donations. But others see Rittenhouse as a domestic terrorist whose presence with a rifle incited the protesters. Defense attorneys have portrayed Rittenhouse as a courageous patriot, who was exercising his right to bear arms during unrest over the shooting of Blake, who is black. Yes. So the 17-year-old, Kyle Rittenhouse, 
he um, is not going to be facing charges in his home state of Illinois or in Kenosha. He won't face his charges in Illinois because the gun, it's, it, the situation isn't quite over because like he won't face charges in his home state of Illinois because the gun wasn't purchased in Illinois. There is no evidence the gun was ever physically possessed by Kyle Rittenhouse in Illinois, it said. So he won't be charged in Illinois. I guess that's some sort of gun law. Like, I don't know, but basically the situation isn't quite done yet. He's not going to face charges in Illinois, but I guess he'll face them in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where the shooting occurred. I'm not even really sure. He's in Lake County without bond due to pending criminal charges in Kenosha. Rittenhouse is due back in Lake County Court on October 30th for an extradition hearing. Oh, so there's some sort of extradition thing going on. I'm not 100% clear on really the whole full scope of the situation because it's like, Things have just gotten out of control in the United States and basically in a world sense. I'm having it I'm having a harder and harder time focusing on things because it just gets blown out of proportion. Like first of all, Jacob Blake, the black father of several, who was shot in the back by the police. This does not speak to every black person. You know, black people can be individuals. They can think for themselves. They can decipher right from wrong. I don't condone violence. However, Jacob Blake did not um, he did not subdue to being arrested. Like he was under arrest. The police officers had their guns drawn on him. Stop pointing a gun at him. He did not stop. He moved in an agitative manner to his vehicle and made a reach into his vehicle and was shot in the back. Did he need to be shot seven times? That was obviously intended to kill. Could the police have stopped him? Like, I mean, if you're going to draw a gun on a suspect, like apparently he was tasered, that didn't stop him. Apparently there was a scuffle that he did not subdue to. He basically resisted arrest and made a movement into a vehicle. So that's why he was shot. He wasn't just shot for no reason, if you watch the video. That obviously is not every black person. That's not every black situation. And what has happened is that has inflamed an already agitated society dealing with issues of race, dealing with COVID-19. It was just another stupid occurrence in an already stupid living situation. <laughs> you know, racial indifference, racial differences, COVID-19. It's a tense situation. So it's... I haven't really been following this whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing so closely, but at a glance, it's like, okay, I read a little bit about it. The charges are still pending. The situation is still in progress. If you see a video of this guy, if you see a picture of this guy, he's walking down the street with some sort of assault rifle. And people are calling it you know, he's a patriot, and he was doing his patriotic duty. Come on, you know what you're doing. You're inciting. Who walks around with a rifle? You know what I mean? It's not as if they came up to his house and, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse specifically, come out of your house. This is Black Lives Matter. Kyle Rittenhouse, we are at your doorstep. This is Black Lives Matter. We're here for your ass. 
That's not what happened. This idiot was walking around with an assault weapon during a riot. He was looking for trouble. <laughs> he was looking for trouble. And he found it. I'm a patriot. I love Canada. I tell you right now, I'm looking out my window. If there was a fucking protest, a riot outside my house, I'm not leaving my house. You would have to come get me. And in order to come and get me, if I had a gun, a registered lawful weapon, and I'm in my home with a gun, and somebody's breaking into my house, and you know it's obvious that they're coming in after me, at that point, I would make the decision whether or not I want to take that step of no return to shoot and kill somebody. At that point, I would have to make that decision. But I would not incite the situation by leaving my home, wading into a already agitated, uproarious um, protest and incite violence with a gun. He was obviously out to shoot somebody. He's not a patriot. He's a trigger-happy fool. Who are you to walk around and patrol the streets and be, I'm a patriot. I'm going to patrol the streets. You're some fucking dummy with a gun. That's what you are. Sit your dumb ass down. And if you're called upon to act, that's when you act. He, he wasn't a police officer. He was, nobody called him to be there. He wasn't, oh, gee, we need Kyle Rittenhouse and his, we need him here to protect the people. Nobody asked for him to be there. He chose to be there. He chose to show up with a rifle at a protest. <laughs> Isn't that what happened? I could be wrong. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. You know, um, what is the duty of a patriot? Are, you, are we to take to the streets to defend the honor of our country? Or are we to act accordingly due to the situation? I mean, I'm not seeking an altercation. You're, you would have to make it pretty clear to me. And the way you make it clear to me is if you specifically come for me. If you come at me specifically. And what precedes that... What goes before that is um, I'm not going to put myself in a position where that could happen. You know what I mean? If I see danger, I'm not going to wander up to danger expecting a peaceful result. If I see a bunch of people screaming and protesting and vandalizing, I'm going to assume they're in a state of chaos and I'm I'm fucking out of here. I ain't going to wander up to you and try to chastise you and um uh p- patronize you and uh you know uh you know involve and insert myself in an already unstable situation. You know? I'm going to patrol the streets and take it upon myself as a citizen. <laughs> no. That's only something that an egomaniac gun trigger happy fool would do. Again, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. You know? It's a a strange situation because it's like, you know, yeah, the Second Amendment, right? Right to bear arms, defend yourself. But if you are intentionally inserting yourself into a situation with a firearm, are you not tempting fate? I mean, I I plead ignorance on this as well. I haven't really fully investigated the whole situation other than reading little snippets, reading articles here and there. You know, I got like a loose understanding of what happened. And in a lot of senses, I 
I can't be moved to seek anything else. It's exactly. It's not for me to insert myself in. None of my business. You know what I mean? I'm not on the jury. I'm not the defendant. I'm not the accused. I'm not the person detaining this uh, teenager in prison. It's like, I'm not going to insert myself in a situation where it's not really my business. I'm not going to give my mind, soul, and body to a situation that's none of my business. And isn't that, and isn't that what that Kyle Rittenhouse did? He went and inserted himself in a situation that had nothing to fucking do with him. You're a patriot? So what does that mean? Every time somebody litters, you have to walk up to them and, What do you think you're doing? This is America, fool. Don't be throwing waste on the ground in our beautiful country. Who are you to fucking interject yourself anywhere? At any time? He was looking for trouble. He found trouble. Much like Jacob Blake, ironically. He was looking for trouble. And he found trouble. That's, that's, the, that's the major irony of this situation. Isn't it? Jacob Blake. Looking for trouble. Found trouble. Kyle Rittenhouse. Looking for trouble, found trouble. Yeah. Moving on. President Trump. Da 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 da. da. No, that's the queen. <laughs> okay, I am not a queen. All right, you're looking at a real man. This is a real head of hair. Okay, I am immune. To the Chinese flu, the Chinese plague, COVID-19, okay? I am immune because I drink plenty of bleach. I inject plenty of bleach. I get plenty of sunshine, okay? Immune. Check this out. This is also from uh, globalnews.ca. Trump's new claims on coronavirus immunity are extremely dangerous, experts say. After recovering from a virus that has killed more than 215,000 Americans, U.S. President Donald Trump is now pushing a new message that is that he's become immune to the novel coronavirus. So is everyone else who has contracted it. Okay, you are a new breed of American, all right? You got Chinese um, witchcraft in your lungs. And that makes you immune to the witchcraft and fake news that's going on in this media landscape, okay? Fake news, Chinese flu, all right? You are God's chosen people, all COVID-19 contractors, all right? My message to the American people, contract, don't detract, okay? Prove your Americanhood. Prove your citizenship. Contract, do not detract, okay? We're going to win in November, all right? Hallelujah. Uh, But health experts say that kind of message, that kind of message is dangerous, not only because there's there's not enough scientific data to support it, but because it's another example of the president downplaying the severity of the pandemic. Trump began touting his immunity over the weekend after his physician, Dr. Sean Connolly. Sean Connery. <coughs> yes, Mr. President, you are immune, money penny. You're the man now, Don. You're the man now, Don. You know? Sean Connery. Dr. Sean Connolly said the president met the center's for disease control and prevention criteria for safely discontinuing isolation and that by currently recognized standards, he is no longer considered a transmission risk. On Monday, Trump told a campaign rally crowd in Sanford, Florida, FLA, is that Florida? Sanford, Florida, that his alleged immunity made him feel powerful. 
I will walk into this audience, he said. I will walk in there and I will kiss everyone in this audience. I'll kiss the guys and the beautiful women and the porn stars and uh, everybody. I'll just give you a big fat kiss. Unless you're a Mexican or a Jew or black for that matter. Kidding. Winning. That was unfair of me to say. I really don't see him as a racist. I see him as just a buffoon, an egotist, a megalomaniac. That's really how I see him. But he's got a lot of truth. I'll get to that. Fake news. The next day, after repeating his line, what, I just apologize for being a comedian? But that's not really a great punchline. You racist. But anyways, the next day after repeating his line from Monday, he went even further asking those attending his rally in Jonestown, Johnstown, PA. See, I don't even know where these places are. Johnstown, PA. What is that? Johnstown, Pittsburgh, Peoria. Oh, hell, I don't know. Do I look American to you? I look more Sri Lankan than anything, you know? I'm starting to look more and more Sri Lankan in my mixed heritage. You know, as a black man, as a West Indian man, got some, you know, little, little, little blood in my line, way down the line, you know, black as a fucking midnight, you know, but I'm starting to look a little more Sri Lankan as time goes on. Look at that. Anyway, what am I babbling on here? Johnstown, PA, wherever the fuck that is, Pennsylvania, Johnstown, PA, if anyone had contracted coronavirus, COVID-19, receiving cheers from some pockets of the crowd, you're the people I want to say hi to because you're right now. You are right now immune, he said Tuesday. Isaac Bogok, an infectious disease expert at the University of Toronto, I live in Toronto, Isaac Bogok, an infectious disease expert at the University of Toronto, says while Trump is not necessarily wrong about COVID-19 patients becoming immune after recovery, it's not yet clear how widespread it is or how long it lasts. (coughs) Pardon me, folks. We also know there's some credible evidence that people can get reinfected, he said. What's most important is that people still need to adhere to fundamental public health principles even after they recover and are deemed not to be contagious. They still need to wear a mask. They still need to physically distance. That doesn't change. In hours between Trump's two rallies, comments of report and blah 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 as I alluded to earlier in the program, As much as I love reading news articles, sometimes they just babble on too long. It's like they make their point and then they just fucking beat you over the brow with all this filler. So yeah, Donald Trump, I feel powerful. I am immune. And apparently um, he's not that wrong. You know, apparently due to, according to the science of the day, I guess once you contract COVID-19... You have a somewhat immunity to it, though there are examples of people getting reinfected. And this period of immunity isn't exactly known, you know, the length of the immunity. Like, yes, a lot of people that recover are then immune, but how long does that immunity last? And there are also cases of people reinfected. So the president isn't exactly wrong in what he's saying. It's a little bit of a mixed message, though, during these times when people are, you know, forced to either adhere to the science of the times or neglect it, make socially distant, distancing, mask, Choices, you know, if you're going to mask yourself and social distance and adhere to the science, or you're just going to fling it to the wind and whatever, you know, I probably won't catch it. And even if I do catch it, then I'll recover fairly easily and then I'll be immune, you know? 
All I could say is, yeah, it sends a... He's acting, I think, in the smartest sense a leader can. He's projecting a sense of strength and calm during a very turbulent time. Like, what's he supposed to do? Oh, COVID-19. Oh, oh, it's terrible. Oh, oh, fear. Everybody be in fear. Oh. That's not what a leader does. A leader, you know, stands up, displays strength and a level head and a sense of calm. You know? But then again, a leader doesn't, you know, minimize and, you know, mock, you know, science, basic civility, common sense, you know? That's the interesting thing about Trump, the duality, you know, the dichotomy of the man. is like, on one hand, he is a business legend, a successful man, a strong leader, a lot of great core values in regards to, you know, family and life success. But on the other hand, he's a complete child, mocking, condescending, arrogant, obnoxious, pompous, inflated, egotistical. So, that though, all that is besides the point. You can't really blame him for the mixed messaging of the times. It's a strange situation. What is COVID-19? Where did it come from? What is the true science? What's with all these conflicting messages? It's pretty obvious at this point that however it arised, It's being used as a political weapon to disrupt global economies, gain control, shift focus in the United States, in Canada, I see it happening, globally. It's a global pandemic. And yes, it is a game. Do hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What are your thoughts on this situation? You know? And, you know, before I get out of here, um, you know, I want to speak to y'all for a minute about squirrels. I love the little buggers, you know. I love squirrels, you know, the cute little squirrel ears, you know. With them cute little squirrel ears and they, they swivel around and a twitchy little nose. And beady eyes, you know, you know, bug-eyed, beady-eyed. You know, you ever see a squirrel's eye? They're beautiful. They're, they're very big and doe-like, you know. Beady, bug, bug-eyed little fucking creatures, you know. And they got their cute little fur and their little tails and they hop about, you know. And, you know, they eat peanuts and you They work their fucking ass off, you know. I remember one winter I saw a fucking squirrel running along a telephone pole. It was like fucking minus 30, minus 30 degrees Celsius in Canada and whatever that equates to in Fahrenheit. But um, I saw this little bugger running across a fucking telephone pole with a peanut in his mouth, you know? I guess he had squirreled away a peanut for just such an occasion, you know, the dead of winter. You know, he's freezing, he's hungry. He had squirreled away a peanut there he is running along a telephone pole, you know, fucking peanut in his mouth. I'm looking at the little bugger and I'm just like, wow. They just work. There ain't no bitching, whining, squawking, belly aching, kibitzing and kabikin in the squirrel mentality. They don't fuck around that way. They just do it. And, um, you know, I was watching an interview. Um, Train by day, Joe Rogue. Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. I was watching Joe Rogan podcast the other night, other day, all day, all night. I was watching it, and uh, he was interviewing um, Roy Jones Jr., the boxer. And, um, 
you know, I've always been very interested in boxing, martial arts. Something in me never focused on it. And, you know, in my future, I would like to, um, you know, for my own physical health and well-being, maybe train a little bit, but I don't claim to know anything about it. I just find it interesting. All I know about Roy, Roy Jones Jr. is that he's very successful, you know, heavyweight champ, multi-tiered, multi-divisional champion boxer. Don't really know much else. That's not really so much the point other than it was a very interesting conversation, interview. And um, he was talking about some of his inspiration and he got to talking about squirrels. And um, first of all, he was speaking about how the animal kingdom gives a lot of hints into God's presence, you know? And that's very much what a squirrel is for me, you know? Like, that's God speaking to me. That's God speaking to us. You know, when you see the beauty of a squirrel, you see a little squirrel, you know, a little bugger. That's God's beauty, you know? You know, slice it how you like it, folks. You know, you know whatever floats your boat. You like dogs, you like pigs, you know, like parrots, you know, you like parakeets. Whatever the fuck it is, yo. Like, that's God speaking to us. You know, the... The perfect nature of nature. But then Roy Jones Jr. was talking about squirrels and how, you know, you know, I guess in like a, I guess like in a squirrel, I don't know what they call them, like a pride? You know how like lions have a pride? So like in the squirrel pride, you know, in the territory of a squirrel, like in a squirrel's pride, apparently like the top squirrel, you know, I'm the boss. I'm the boss. You know, like the top squirrel male in a squirrel pride, apparently he goes and snips the nuts. You know, they're nutty for nuts, you know, even squirrel nuts. Apparently, like the top squirrel, you know, the boss hog squirrel in a squirrel pride, apparently they they bite off the nuts of the little infant male squirrels in order to, like, you know, conquer their territory. And I remember hearing that, I was like, I heard Roy Jones Jr. say that on um, JRE, Joe Rogan Experience. I heard him say that. And I was like, no, not my babies. Like, a part of me was a little, it bothered me. Like, I was like, no, no. Like, you ever hear information that you just don't believe? You're like, no, that's not true. Like, it made sense, in a sense, because, like, you know, obviously Roy Jones Jr., highly successful boxer, you know, smart, smart, worldly man. I'm like, I'm. it's not like uh, I want to be contentious about this, but it's more like, I just don't agree with that. I was like, no, I know, I know squirrels, buddy. I mean, you know boxing, I'll give you that. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to step into the ring with you, no pun intended, <laughs> but like. I'm not going to talk box in here, but I know a thing or two about squirrels, buddy. All right? I've been feeding the little buggers since God knows when. You know, they're in my heart. They're in my soul. They're like my spirit animal. You know? I feed them. You know? They know me by name. You know? I'm like, eh, eh. hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm like, eh. You know, they wave at me and shit. You know, they, they know me and they love me. I know a thing or two about squirrels, buddy. So when he started talking about squirrels, like, biting on other squirrels' nuts and making all these poor fucking, like, squirrels castration, it really kind of bothered me. I was like, not my babies. They would never do that, right? So I got on Google, right? I was like, yo, squirrel squirrel castration, what's the deal, yo? Like, I looked it up, and apparently, it's all just a wives' tale. Like, apparently, I mean, I, you know, I ain't no fucking microbiologist or anything, but, like, apparently, you know, like a, it even just adds to how much cuter they are. An adolescent squirrel? You know, a teenage squirrel. You know, think about like a teenager squirrel. He's just like, you know, he's he hasn't hit puberty yet. No, like this dummy. A full-grown male squirrel goes. Adolescent squirrel goes. Right. So these little dummies, apparently, like a adolescent squirrel, their balls don't drop. 
So when you see like a squirrel with a peep with a pecker, you know, he's got his pecker hanging out, you know, he's got his dick hanging out. When you see like a male squirrel with his dick hanging out, but no balls, just means he's a juvenile. He's just a youngin, just a little munchkin. You know what I mean? He's just finding his way. And uh, I, I, remember, I remember seeing that. I was like, oh, phew. Because, um, you know, I love my babies. I love my babies. And, you know, I was like, they have such a sweet, gentle nature to them. And I don't know. I just didn't like hearing that. And um, apparently it's not, they don't. They just, you know, if you see a fucking male squirrel and it's, Got a schlong hanging out, but you don't see a nutsack. He, he's just a youngin. You know, he's just an adolescent. You know? And, um... <laughs> I don't know why I had to mention that, you know? It's just... Sometimes you have to stand up for what you believe in, and I believe in squirrels. Such a sweet animal, you know? And going forward for me, um... You know... Uh, oh yeah, and do of course. I mean, for what it's worth, shout out J R E Joe Rogan podcast. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast all night, all day. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. Shout out to them. Shout out to Roy Jones Jr. and the uh, Mike Tyson. I'm gonna eat you young. I'm gonna eat your squirrels. You know, um, that fight's going down. That's gonna be epic. And uh, you know. I humbly give a shout out. They don't need my help, obviously. But uh, as I spoke on them, I might as well show my support. And, uh, you know, what's going on with me going forward here? Got a little film work. Got a little film work coming my way, folks. You know? Uh, As this moment is, uh, at this moment, I got a little gig lined up. I'm going to be on set. Later on in the week, um, it's one of those crime reenactment shows. You know, I've been a big fan of like crime genres. You know, Dateline, Forty Eight Hours, Forensic Files. Um, hey yo, I'm in a shout out mood. Shout out to my favorite murder. I'm a murderino. You know, uh, Georgia Hardstark and Karen Kelgariff. They have a podcast, very successful. My Favorite Murder. They talk about um, well-known murder stories, murder cases. They add some levity to it. And they add some support and some somewhat cathartic healing, I think, for people who are victims or who feel the pure evil injustice of, you know, murder. You know what I mean? Like, what a fucking evil thing. Murder. So that's pretty much what the show is about. It it chronicles some very um, interesting stories, interesting cases, adds levity, and you know there's a community and some catharsis to it. And uh, my favorite murder, MFM folks, you know, Murderino. And uh, so yeah, that's what I'm up to this week. I got this uh, little gig on a uh, true crime reenactment film. I guess series. Yeah, it's like a series. It's a little bit part. And, uh, you know, as it sits, that's what's going on. Things are obviously changing due to COVID-19. But as we sit, that's what I got lined up. And I'm very blessed to do so. And in the coming episodes, I will have a full report on my uh, professional acting career. And, um, you know, some funny insights to, you know, being on set and working as an actor in this changing landscape, moving from pandemic to post-pandemic. And, you know, yo, you got to keep your head up, folks. I mean, one of the threads of this show is, like, I just talk about my reality as a working actor, stand-up comedian, the challenges and challenges that I face and I think I meet them with a lot of I try to meet them with a lot of hope and optimism which is kind of like the same thing but you know a little a lot of grace and optimism that's how I hope I meet it because at the beginning of this year 
my and that's something that I hope is relatable to everybody and that's why I speak on it I think it's it's funny it's entertaining and it's you know relatable to people whatever you do across industry if you can use that grace and optimism you know that humility to just approach your challenges from a from a a place of calm because as i started this year out as a actor i was a janitor at the beginning of 2020 you know i was full on Full-time janitor. I'm talking mop buckets, slop buckets, toilets, tampons, urinals, urinal cakes, parking garages, tampons, tampacks, the whole kit and caboodle, folks. You name it, I cleaned it. You know, I was fucking face first on a fucking toilet. You boom clack, your ass clack. Plunging a fucking toilet full-time as a janitor at the top of 2020, making my money, paying off a student loan that I had racked up when I went to theater school. So I paid off my theater school student loan. I was going to apply to be a, uh, I was going to go and apply for film school. That was my big goal of 2020. I'm going to go to film school. Now I'm not always an advocate for post-secondary education. A lot of times you can just learn trades and skills on your own and then just put together your own portfolio and move forward at your own pace, set your own goals. I'm not like this big advocate for post-secondary learning, but sometimes in regards to trade work, like the trade of filmmaking, having somebody more experienced walk you through, you know, managing a production, mounting a fucking production, editing, software, you know, lens technique, theory, stuff like that. And also the connectivity of a community. Now through, like that's one of the benefits of schooling is that you get involved with a group of people that are like-minded. So, you know, you get a little bit of community that way, which can lead to good networking. So there are some benefits, obviously. So anyway, suffice to say, I was going to go to film school. And, well, that all went down the toilet. COVID-19, situational things, sort of a... Also, on my part, I was looking at what was available. A lot of things were overpriced, you know? You know, there's an unfortunate thing in the world of performing. There's a lot of industry built on the desire to be in an industry. There's a lot of industry based on the desire to be in industry. So, you know, you got all these film schools, these acting schools, these improv schools, these stand-up comedian colleges, all these fucking gimmicks to get the money from all these young people that just want to start their career, right? So that's very real as well. So I was also considering a lot of that. I was like, do I really want to get in bed with some overpriced film school to teach me some shit I could just learn on YouTube. You know what I mean? I'm already doing it. I'm already making videos. I'm already making podcasts. Maybe I should just take the full step and be, you know, just keep running with this, you know, personal sovereignty, you know, this personal journey of mine as a performer, artist, right? So, That's the message I'm trying to say is like the year started off in this weird way where it's like, you know, I was a janitor. I was going to go to film school. COVID-19 hit. I started making different decisions. I quit my job as a janitor. Now here I am as a professional actor on a fucking television film set. (laughs) And yes, it's a bit part, you know, it's a kind of like a one and done situation but it's good um hey it's all experience it's all it's all good baby baby and it could lead to other things and that's a message that is relatable across industry you know things are changing things are things are changing things are shifting adjust with it grow with it take chances you know be present in your mind 
you know? Don't put yourself in harm's way, but really listen to what you're being called to do and what you're being challenged to do. And it can work for you. And I believe that for myself. I believe that for anybody who seeks. And um, it's all in a day's work. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent October 14th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Yeah, baby. Back in the saddle as an actor, professional actor, whatever the hell that means. Um, I'll have more to come on that uh, story, that journey, so stay tuned. Again, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, hit me up, folks. My own website, jonathan-ramtran.com. Email the show, jr.thep, <laughs> jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. You know, you got questions, queries, or qualms, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show, as always, folks, help my black ass out. Please, share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it. You love it. You realize it. I. Right.